To the honor and glory of God, who by the word and through the spirit creates, redeems, and sanctifies us all. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I ask that you forgive me. I am kind of a free-range speaker, so I have to move around. Um, it is so good to be here with you. It is so good to see uh, the body of Christ gathered in person. This is uh, a holy thing and a special thing. And after the last 15 months, it's even more special to me to be with you here at St. Mary Magdalene, to experience worship with you, to experience the spirit with you. It's a powerful thing. So thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up. And thank you for in this past COVID crazy, continuing to be church. Thank you for your persistence and your care for one another. Thank you for the ways that you have reached out and discovered new people. I've been saying this and I swear it is true. More people have heard of the Episcopal Church in the last year than have heard of it in the last 10 years. Because we've gone places we haven't been before, like YouTube and Facebook, and we've been present and people have gotten to hear us pray and worship with us and have seen the light of Christ in us. So thank you. Thank you for your persistence in this work. I wanna to talk today a little bit about healing. And I wanna start with a story. Uh, my father-in-law of blessed memory was raised in West Texas. And I often say he was raised outside Amarillo. And when I say that to Texans, they say there's not a lot outside Amarillo. <laughs> and I go, yeah, Canyon, Texas is outside Amarillo. And they go, oh. My father-in-law grew up on a ranch. He was, in fact, a cowboy. And my kids used to love watching Westerns with him because he would say, oh, that's not right. <laughs> no, that, no. My father-in-law did not know a time when he could not ride a horse. And I remember his kids told the story about how they used to make fun of him when he would talk about, you know, bringing cattle in and roping calves and all this, because they grew up in Kansas City. They thought they went on this uh, company-sponsored event, and um, they had to one of the challenges was you try, had to try to rope this mechanical cap. And um, my husband said he, he recognized the way when his dad picked up the lariat, he picked it up differently than everybody else. And he waved it around for a little bit and he went one, two, boom, roped the cap. His dad hadn't roped the cap in over... 30 years, but the body memory was so ingrained in him that his children finally stopped uh, saying that his cowboy stories were overrated. <laughs> but growing up in Canyon, Texas, my father-in-law didn't see very many Black people at all. There just weren't that many there. And he uh, talked about you know, the adjustment of moving to Kansas City where there were more Black people. Um, and the adjustment of his son bringing home a black woman, that was an adjustment. <laughs> but 
I remember Wayne sitting me down and he thought it was very important to tell me his story. You see, he and his brothers, he had four other brothers, they grew up on a ranch and his older brother had fallen off a tractor and had traumatic brain injury and suffered from seizures from the time he was about eight years old. And his parents had tried to find healing for him, had tried to find ways to, to make him better. But this was in the 1950s and there wasn't a lot known about epilepsy. But my father-in-law's dad, Charlie, would do anything for this child. So when he heard that there was a black doctor in Amarillo who had been treating people with epilepsy, he packed his son up, he put him in the truck and he drove there. And after a few weeks of treatment, Lester started to feel a little better. He wasn't cured, but he was more functional. He could function in the world. And Wayne told me that his dad got so much grief, people mocked him and laughed at him, but he was, he was taking his son to a black, to a Negro, to another word. And Charlie, in all of his practicality, said, if the healing's there, why wouldn't I go? If the healing's there, why wouldn't I go? That was such an experience for my, my father-in-law. Wayne, Wayne was a bigot in lots of ways. He, he breathed the white supremacy of the air that we all breathe, but there was a part of him that knew from that moment on that relationship was the key to healing all our souls. That the willingness to step outside where we were comfortable and seek healing was the only thing that was going to save us. And so I love this passage from Mark because in the first place, Mark is an evangelist who's got to tell you everything. And so part of his habit is he smashes stories together. So we have this story about a leader of the synagogue. The synagogue that had a lot of issues with this itinerant preacher named Jesus. The, the synagogue that, that kept trying to get rid of him. But a leader of the synagogue finds himself coming to Jesus saying, my daughter is dying. But if you touch her. If you lay hands on her, I know she will be made well. I wonder how much pride Jairus had to swallow to make that request. I wonder how much of his own personal angst about Jesus he had to set aside to enter into this relationship on behalf of his daughter. And in the midst of this, the evangelist smashes another story in here. He just smashes it in. And he says, and, and, and I love the way um, Mark describes things. See, in Greek, Mark has this sense of urgency about him all the time. It's like, and immediately this, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and immediately this. And if you take this story in Greek, I mean, we have it together sedating. <laughs> you know, having had suffering. Having suffered for a long time, having spent all her money, having not benefited from these physicians, having gotten even worse, and having heard about this, she decides she needs to only touch his garment. 
She doesn't need Jesus to lay hands on her. She just needs to lay hands on Jesus and be well. And she does. And the way the evangelist describes it, this was a shock to Jesus. He had no idea that someone could just touch him in their faith, in their need, and be healed. I mean, he's stuck. He's on, he's on the way to someone who's dying. But he is so shocked, he has to stop and go, wait a minute, who touched me? And I love that his disciples looked at him like he'd lost his mind. <laughs> you know, there's no social distancing. People are all pressed up against it. They're like, what are you talking about? Who touched you? Do you not see these people? But Jesus is insisting. He's like, no, 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 no. This is different. This is different. And the woman comes forward. And I imagine how much fear did she have to set aside? How much shame that she'd been carrying for 12 years, going to doctors who put her off. And when they found they couldn't help her, decided to tell her it was all in her head, which still happens, by the way. I wonder how much courage it took for her to step up to this Jewish teacher and say, it was me. And I am healed and I am made whole. <laughs> then Jesus goes on to the girl that's dying and who in fact died. And Jesus says, oh no, she's just sleeping. And people laugh at him. They mock him. They're like, he's nuts. He doesn't know the difference between what's living and what's dead. And Jesus says, little girl, get up. She gets up. And then he says, I don't tell anybody. And it's kind of like, you know, when you've been sick for a long time and you're cured and you're well, you're not going to tell anybody. But the point of, of, of Jesus' healing is that it's not just about some sort of magic that Jesus works in the world. Jesus's healing comes through relationship. And this woman's healing was not going to go unnoticed. Jesus was not going to deny knowing this woman just because she sort of stuck in a touch for her own healing. Jesus wanted to know who she was, wanted her to know who he was because he recognized that healing is about relationship. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but this COVID stuff has revealed a lot of sickness in our world. Not just physical sickness, spiritual sickness in our world. We have seen such division. We have seen such polarization. We have seen racial violence. We have seen and had to question how strong is this democracy in which we live? And if I think there's any task for us as church as we move forward, as we move out of this COVID crazy, the task for us is not to go back to business as usual. The task for us is to be about building the kinds of relationships that promote healing in our world, 
healing here in this neighborhood, healing here in Boulder, healing in Colorado, healing across our nation. And that healing doesn't come with denying the sickness or denying the pain or denying the brokenness. That healing requires each one of us to be committed to relationship, to be committed to being in relationship with those all around us. Not just with those gathered here today, but those in the community and those in the world. And for that healing to take place, every single one of us is going to have to set aside everything we think we know about the other. Everything we think we know about LGBTQIA folks, everything we think we know about people of color, everything we think we know, we have to set aside everything that prevents us from friendship. What would it take for us to set aside the familiar and the cherished? Whether it's just our beliefs or our practices, what would it, set, what would it be for us to set aside everything we know, we know and open our hearts to the healing love of Christ in the world? I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know it will take all of us. It will take all of us supporting one another, encouraging one another, spurring one another. It will take all of us holding one another and praying for one another. It will take all of us living the life of our baptized co baptismal covenant, all of us, <coughs> to heal this world. But I believe this. We can do it. Someone asked me, so why are you an Episcopalian? Why did, why did you choose this church? And I had to think about it for a minute, but the answer I came up with was this. I chose this church because I believe if we lived what we prayed, we would change this world. If we lived what we promised, we would change the whole world. The whole world would see and know that things that have been cast down are being made new. So thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your commitment to the church. And don't stop now. Don't stop now. There is so much healing needed in this world with God's grace and with God's help and with our commitment to walk in the way of Jesus, we can be that healing. Amen. <laughs>